Morning, everyone. It is Tuesday, the 31st of May. We know US markets were closed last night, Marcus, but what else happened? Morning, Ben. Uh, US markets closed. European markets. I was hoping if this bounce was going to continue that they pushed through, but no real momentum out of uh, Europe. They had an inflation number, a German inflation number. The number was 8.7% in May, up from 7.8% the month before. So still accelerating there. Whereas in the US, you probably saw last week, they had those PCE price numbers, inflation numbers, which have dropped or decelerated for the second month on the trot. So some sign of pricing pressure or inflation peaking in the US, but not in Europe, which presumably is thanks to energy prices. So a huge inflation number. And the ECB have got a meeting next week, and they are very likely to raise rates in July. So Europe seems a bit behind everyone else. Of course, probably thanks to energy prices. You've probably seen this morning as well that the European Union has got 27 nations in its group to ban imports of oil from Russia, and they hope eventually to impact 90% of Russian exports of oil. The oil price is up 1.8% overnight, but might well go higher on the back of that. We'll see. So inflation pressures abound, particularly from energy and still in Europe. There is a whole load of Fed speak overnight. The main message is that Fed governors seem to be getting hold of the idea that rates will rise by 50 basis points every month from here until the end of the year, with one Fed governor suggesting that they pause in September to allow the impact of previous rate rises to be assessed. Either way, the market is now discounting solid rate rises all of this year in official rates. And despite that, bond yields are coming off. So the market's anticipating, it seems, uh, the peak on inflation and the peak on interest rates. The other good news overnight was that China, or Shanghai, should I say, is going to let people out of their COVID lockdown on Wednesday. Just a point, if you thought Melbourne was hard done by, I think Melbourne has actually been locked down more than any other city in the world. But 25 million Chinese people in Shanghai were told on April the 1st they'd be locked down for five days and they'd be locked down for two months. So you can imagine supply chain issues that have come out of that. Anyway, some easing of that. The Chinese stock market has bounced recently as well. And that aside, final thing is Powell and Biden meet tonight, I believe. And Biden's popularity rating is at something like 36%, which is is the lowest it's been in his presidency. And apparently inflation is the biggest issue. So I imagine the White House are going to get behind the inflation war as well. We might hear that tonight. I'm not sure anyone will take much notice of it. Uh, so there we go. Dead in the water today, I think is the message. Resources up a bit, banks down a little bit and not much else going on. Waiting to see what the US does. The good news is Dow futures are up 88. So maybe the US will follow through tonight. Great. Thank you, Marcus. Tom is not with us this morning but I will cover off on his look at what is happening today. As you mentioned, Marcus, soft start to the session today. The ASX 200 is down around 20 points now. Miners and some energy stocks are staying above water. As you mentioned, the EU have said it has a deal to block 66% of Russian oil imports, which is the main reason that the energy sector is higher. Most sectors, though, are in negative territory. Technology and telcos are the worst performers. On the stock front, there's some speculation that Cube, stock code QUB, could be a private equity takeover target with a price tag of $5.7 billion. AMA Group, with the ticker AMA, has their investor day. Nanasonics, with the ticker NAN, has announced that the chairman, Maury Stang, is stepping down. And Marley Spoon, ticker code MMM, is holding its AGM, while Orica, 
ORI is trading ex-dividend. A couple of little bits on the economic front as well. GDP partials are released today with the headline figure out tomorrow. And the weekly consumer confidence index is out this morning. It fell 0.1% to 90.7 points and a reading of 100 is considered neutral. So a little bit down there in negative territory. And Leighton, I'll throw to you for any broker stuff you've got today. Thank you, Ben. Had to do a little bit of hunting this morning. It was a little bit quiet out there in Brokerland, but I've got Hum Group. That's H-U-M. Directors have defended the merits of selling the Hum consumer finance business and UBS notes a supporting argument is that HCF has not been profitable in the four months to April. The shareholder vote for that one is on the 23rd of June. Until then, UBS has said that it will retain its buy recommendation with a target price of 145 cents, which implies a 91% upside. And just a couple of big target price moves. Macquarie has lowered its target price for Breville Group. That's BRG. 29% to $24.65, which still implies a 14% upside. And they've also lowered their target price for domain holdings, that's DHG, 40% down to $2.70, which implies an 18% downside. Thank you, Ben. Great stuff. Thank you, Leighton. Chris, what are you doing in trading today? Thanks, Ben. I'm taking a look at BHP this morning, the big Australian, of course. It has been in the news of late for a number of reasons. Obviously, the demerger and selling the oil assets to Woods a lot of analysts, myself including, liking the pivot away from oil. BHP, of course, remains well diversified, has exposure to copper, nickel, potash, and iron ore. But giving up the petroleum means the company has a smaller carbon footprint. So I don't know that it'll attract a great deal more of ESG money, but it's certainly moving in that direction. The other reason why it's been in the news, of course, is its connection to the reopening in China. Many people on the street believing that it will be a beneficiary of that. It's short-term sentiment-driven stuff, but of course, that sentiment is reflected in the chart. And on that front, we've seen a really strong bounce off $40. And there's an upside target, a natural target up around 48 bucks, which is about three bucks above the current market price. And then onwards and upwards towards the big round number at $50. So that is my chart of the day. The only other news that I have for everyone is that I will be on Ausbiz today with Scott Phillips and Koshi talking 10 stocks. Very nice. Thanks, Chris. Look forward to tuning into that. Marcus, you have something? I would just say Hummer used to be Flexi Red, didn't it? Yep, Flexi Group. And they changed their, I remember them going up 49% in about three or four weeks on the back of the idea they were joining the buy now pay later space by calling themselves hum and talking about themselves being buy now pay later when in fact they were a rather cancerous credit business that was lending money to people at ridiculous rates in order for them to buy consumer goods that depreciated to nothing the moment they walked out of the shop and there was almost a sort of what do you call those current affair programs current affair issue about them lending money to people that, that really shouldn't be borrowing money. And suddenly they became buy now, pay later, jumped 49% in three or four weeks or something. And the share price has gone down ever since and is actually down 49%. It's halved since November 2020, which is when they officially changed their name. That probably still makes it one of the better performing They've done really well compared to the others. Yeah, <laughs> my bad. <laughs> I actually do make money. Yeah. <laughs> 
So strategy today, as I say, that there isn't much to go on. Chinese lockdowns coming to an end might be positive for resources. But I would just point out in this sell-off where Nasdaq got almost, or it did get down 20%, didn't it? It's bounced 9%. Our market is now down 4.63% from the top. And the banks are down 2.8%, having recently bounced 3%. So really, there's no seismic waves running through our market at all. Unless, of course, you're in technology stocks, in which case that sector has dropped 40% from top to bottom. And there are some quite quality stocks in there that I think could see a resurrection. Things like Zero, for instance, which we hold in the forever portfolio, have been absolutely destroyed by and are a bit like afterpay in the sense that the earnings aren't there because they are doing a land grab still. One day they'll get there. Anyway, I can see some resurrection happening in technology, but otherwise our market just trolling along quite nicely. Apart from that, I have written an article on Livewire today about happiness. I will provide a link to that. It's an old article. Some of the older members will know that one. There's also a, on Livewire, there is a Roger Montgomery article. It's interesting when the value guys start saying, in the short run, the market seems very oversold. Very oversold. I didn't think he looked at charts. (laughs) Roger, caught you. Very oversold, making it susceptible to a sharp, short-term recovery. Investors should be sharpening their pencils and working on the stocks and funds in which they plan to invest in preparation to making additional equity market investment. Anyway, the fundamental side of that is that he shows a S&P 500 12-month forward PE ratio, which has dropped from 40 down to 20, and it has bounced off 20, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 times in the last 50 years. So getting to the lows, I think is the suggestion. Otherwise, nothing too much to add on strategy. I did a list of ETFs you could buy for the bounce in yesterday's newsletter. I am getting pressured by some members to come up with the list of stocks to buy for the bounce. Haven't yet done that. And I'm just wondering whether to look at quality stuff or look at rebound stuff. I'll get to it in the end. And I think that's about it from me. Thank you, Marcus. Lots of good stuff there as always. Last but not least, Henry, what are you writing about today? Well, I've been nibbling away, I have to say, in the market yesterday. We nibbled away at a couple of ETFs that have exposure to the US market. And today, just nibbling away at a couple of Chinese exposed ETFs as the reopening trade there, I guess. Uh, we're seeing you know, what happened in the Western world when we reopened. Maybe we'll see the same thing happening in the Chinese world. Nothing particularly drastic, but just putting a little bit of money to work in that ETF portfolio. And as far as the small caps go today, just was talking about buying tech stocks, but buying them at a nice big fat discount. Of course, you can do that through the hot tub time machine, which is something like Thorny Technology, which has a plethora of tech stocks in its portfolio. Their biggest holding is a thing called Updata, which used to be listed here and is now private. It was privatized four years ago on the basis that at some stage it will come back to IPO, but that has taken an age to happen. But tech was trading at 26 cents. Uh, Bear in mind the NTA at the end of April was 41 cents. And Alex Weislitz, who runs this, has been doing consistent buying across the board in this one. So it's a big fat discount. So you're buying a tech sector at a 30, 40% discount if you can get it at 26 cents, of course. And unfortunately, it's um, obviously great minds think a smidge alike because the stock is up nearly 8% today, back up to 28 cents. So there's clearly a little bit of buying there. And the other one I looked at today as well was Talga, which had a pretty good announcement 
announcement yesterday on their graphite business, their project they have up in Sweden and looking to add that one to the portfolio as well. And uh, just, uh, I guess, uh, banging my own trumpet or, or blowing my own trumpet with Satire, which uh, we recommended a, a week or so ago at 50 cents as a speculative buy for a bounce and did look very oversold. Um, it's now up to 75 cents. My target was 70. So it's all kind of uh, uh, blue sky and fun from here. But that one is up uh, 50% now in just over a week. So that one's going pretty well. Apart from that, I've got an article on Livewire as well. So there you go. Put the podcast that we did with Greg Hall from Alligator Energy is on Livewire too. I don't know whether that spurred a massive increase in interest in the podcast, but we shall uh, see. Certainly got some traction on Livewire this morning. So that's good. Talking about the Iranian market. And just to say for those listening, Talga code is TLG and Satire code was CTT. Great stuff. As always, thank you, Henry. And we'll finish with the question of the day. As always, simple one, what stock would you buy for a bounce at the moment? Leighton. Thank you, Ben. Yes, this one seems to come up pretty much every time we have to give a buy recommendation. But Macquarie Group, they're down around 17% since April. They did go ex-dividend on the 16th of May, but that was a pretty small dividend. It was only $3.50. So I think that's a good buying opportunity there. Hard to argue. Chris? Thanks, Ben. Uh, GMG, Goodman Group is the stock that I would buy. It's down 30% from its January high. These guys, uh, it's, it's it's surprising when you hear this number, $54 billion worth of assets they run. They've got another $10 billion worth of assets in the pipe. So by no means are they small. And this one is all about location, location, location. So they have the distribution centers right near big urban population centers. Now, the problem with that or the benefit for them is you can't replicate that. You can't acquire those sites and have that access to population like they have. It's sort of a one-shot deal and they've fired the shot. So I think a 30% discount, the market did probably get a little bit far ahead of itself in terms of the, the share price running away, but I think it's come back to a pretty good value point. Very nice. Thanks, Chris. Henry? There's so many things out there at the moment that if you wanted to uh, get back into the market that have been whacked around, as Marcus says, zero is a classic. But the one that I've been uh, looking at a little bit is Aristocrat and wrote an article on that for Ausbiz, which is yet to come out. But just looking at that one, they raised a heap of money to buy Playtech. That didn't happen. They're now doing an on-market buyback worth 500 million bucks. And although some of their games have been delayed because of supply chain issues, they are still in the pipeline and they've got a few big games coming down uh, in uh, the end of this year. So it has been whacked around, but I think uh, maybe unjustly so. It's obviously been grouped in with tech stocks to some extent and has fallen from 48 bucks back down to 35 bucks. So just quietly looking at this one, I have to say, Aristocrat A-double-L is the stock code for those that don't know. Very nice. Thanks, Henry. Another one that is in the forever portfolio. Marcus? Those were two stocks, GMG and ALL, which turned up on the technical scans as buys recently. And GMG has been down 30%. And it's presumably done so out of fear for interest rate rises, because yeah, I assume they have a uh, host. I think also the e-commerce issue, because GMG was seen as a proxy for e-commerce because it runs logistics centers for the e-commerce business, things like Kogan, etc. So I think it got whacked as a technology stock uh, be on the back of uh, slowing in e-commerce and those uh, online platform sales. Doesn't it run Amazon warehouses? It does, absolutely, yeah. So on the way up, on the tech way up, it was yep. super popular. Anyway, that's been down 30%. I think it's bounced already about 10, 14%, something like that. And Aristocrat Leisure's down 38% from the top. And again, it's one of 
those stocks, which is a bit sentiment driven. And I remember in the taper tantrum in 2018, we were holding it in our SMA and it dropped 40% again. And these high PE stocks get absolutely slaughtered when the market turns over and then come all the way back again. So I think those are two very good ideas. I think Macquarie is uh, good as well as a, a market stock. Um, now, where, <laughs> where do I go? Uh, zero MP1. I was, I've been reading the Mark Minervini book, Trade Like a Stock Market Wizard a terrible title, but really quite good content. And part of his argument is that the market always misses high PE stocks, and yet they are some of the best performers. It's sort of the opposite of the dogs of the Dow, where you buy the worst stocks in the market, and they just get, well, they're supposed to bounce, but they actually just get worse. You buy the best stocks that are on the highest PEs, and lots of examples of stocks that went from PEs of 1,700 to PEs of 89, and at the same price, the share price uh, quadrupled. So MP1 zero for a couple of trades in the bounce we hold in the forever portfolio both of them actually killed us and otherwise i would go that etf if i was playing with my own money i'd just buy that lnas etf which is ultra geared to the nasdaq uh, it'll absolutely slaughter you if the market goes down again but that was where i would get some gearing to upside without having to have stock specific issues i've got a theory that you just like mp1 for the ticker <laughs> oh, that- <laughs> Number one. <laughs> um, I actually I added MP1 to the um, small cap portfolio last week. So great minds to get nice. some backup. Very nice. And I'll quickly do mine. A little bit left to center. LIC, which is Lifestyles Community, been popping up around the place a little bit, getting a little bit more coverage. It's down 40% off the top, 34% this year. It's been a really good performer up until that top out for a number of years. I think had five years of really good growth rate. And it's geared right into the aging population trend which we know is a fact in Australia so I'm interested to watch that one out and might take a nibble. Uh, we had a what I called the big dinner which was a Bayside investment group dinner for 28 people steaks and red wine uh, the other night and LIC everyone had to come up with a stock LIC got heavily mentioned big discussion about that and about the contracts they sign with people who move into their retirement homes and how they always argue with the oldest daughter saying my mum would never have signed that contract because of course, they quietly creep 30% of the value of the equity in the property and they control who they sell it to. So it's a bit like that prenup agreement in that film with George Clooney, where he has the cast iron prenup agreement and becomes famous for that. And they have the cast iron retiree buying a retirement home contract, which has been tested in law. It is desperately unfair to the people inheriting the money, but great for business. So an immoral buy, I would call it there, Ben, uh, because apparently their contracts are um, uh, onerous. There you go, Ben. <laughs> Don't know what to say to that. It, but, it, it, but it did get mentioned as a great stocker and it, it's started to perform as well. So. The other one, I would just say, sorry, can I keep going? <laughs> just make sure uh, it's not morally. Uh, no, this this one isn't morally. It, it was a guy at the dinner who had worked for Blockbuster and had sat in meetings with Warner Brothers. And his assessment of the streaming services was that Netflix had gone backwards already, but would probably stabilize. But his feeling was that Disney mm. 
was the stock to buy in the US. It's been destroyed over COVID on the assumption that their revenue streams from Disney parks uh, has evaporated. But if you look at the growth in their streaming revenue, it is very high. And his feeling is that they own their own content. They're not contracting their own content. They own their own content and they will emerge as the streaming service of choice in the end. So I don't know, I haven't investigated that, but you look at the share price, it's absolutely destroyed. And here they are, look at their latest results. Their streaming revenue is growing very fast. I actually have over the last couple of weeks been looking to buy in my super Disney and Spotify as the two premium streaming services. Disney, I think if you did a survey of people that have multiple streaming services, it would probably come out as the last one to get cut and they're all jacking their prices up. So they will start to get cut. And Spotify is just the only music service. And I don't know if you guys see it, but on your social medias around the end of year, Spotify do a your year in review and everyone posts what their year year in review was on Spotify and just give Spotify free advertising. No one's leaving Spotify. It's the last thing you chop. So, and that's also, I, I don't know if top of my head, but it's been sold off, you know, aggressively with the rest of the tech stuff in America. So yeah, be worth a look. Good. And that's about that. Thank you all. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks guys. Okay. See ya.